O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, fits perfectly with Psalm 71. In fact, as we look at Psalm 71 this evening, we'll see that in Psalm 71, it's an aging psalmist, most likely David, I I think, uh, an aging psalmist recounting his hope in the Lord as he looks back on his life and he sees that God is his help in ages past and he is his hope for years to come. I'm going to read Psalm 71, we'll pray, and then we'll jump into it. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge, to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. For you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Become as a wonder to many, that you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me. And those who lie in wait for me, for my life, take counsel together saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. Oh God, do not be far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also, with the lute, I will praise you. And your faithfulness, O my God, To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of you, of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this evening we rejoice For you are the God who gives us hope, not just in this life, but for eternity. You are the God 
who has been proven faithful time and time again. You are the God who has helped us in ages past and the God who will be our hope for years to come. Heavenly Father, this evening as we look at this passage here in Psalm 71, may we be encouraged as our minds are drawn to reflect on who you are and what you've done. May our hearts overflow in praise as we see your strength, your glory, your goodness, your greatness, your righteousness. May we be burdened to then go and to speak of your goodness and your greatness and your righteousness to the world around us, to the next generation. May you be honored in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, Psalm 71, it's the the testimony, the reflections of an aging psalmist as he looked back on his life. And as you work your way through this, it kind of starts with the, the occasion of this psalm, the occasion of this praise. And then it moves into his reflection on God's attributes and God's glory. And then in the end, he just bursts out into praise, the last several verses, praising God for who he is. In the first several verses, we see the occasion for this psalm. Starts out, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. In you, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. It would be shameful to be shown to be trusting in a weak God. If you put everything, all your trust, all your hope, into this God, and he failed, that would be shameful. You would have wasted your time. That's the psalmist's prayer here. It is in you, Lord, that I am placing my hope. It is in you, Lord, that I put everything. May I not be put to shame. And praise the Lord, as we see in the rest of this psalm, That God's people will never be put to shame because he is not a weak God. He is the true God. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is creator. He is powerful. He is righteous. He is great. He is worthy of honor and praise. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Cause me to escape. Deliver me in your righteousness. You are the God who always does what is right. Notice here the psalmist turns his attention to who God is. He doesn't say, deliver me because of my righteousness. De- deliver me because I've, I, I've done a good job. I, I, I know that I'm all, but look at this great family that I've raised. But look how I've led this nation. Look at all these people that I've helped. All these things that I've done. Lord, deliver me from my righteousness. That's not what he says. He says, deliver me in your righteousness. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are. You are the God who always does what is right. So incline your ear to me and save me. Hear my cry and act on my behalf. Be my strong refuge. 
to which I may resort continually, not just one time. Right? This, the, this psalmist is an aged psalmist. He's someone who's, who's been through life. He's looking back with experience. He knows that he is weak. He knows the ups and downs of life. He knows that he doesn't need God just right now to deliver me. Lord, I need you continually. I need you day in and day out. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. For you have given the commandment to save me. You have given the commandment to save me. David, the psalmist here, may not know what this salvation looks like. But this he does know, that the God who made promises to him will faithfully fulfill those promises. You have given the commandment to save me. You have given the commandment to fulfill all that you have promised, and I know that you will do it. Why? For you are my rock and my fortress. You are my salvation. You are the place to which I run. So deliver me, O God. And here's where we really see the occasion, what it is specifically that he needs deliverance from. Notice, if you will, before he even gets to his complaint or what he needs deliverance from, he starts with who God is. I think that's a good thing for us to do. That's a good pattern for us to follow in prayer. Start with who God is. Don't start with your problems. Don't start with your struggles. Don't start with your fears. Start with who God is and let that then inform your struggles and your fears and your weaknesses. That's where the psalmist starts. It doesn't necessarily make his situation any easier in the present, but it reminds him who his God is. Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of unrighteous and cruel men. So we see the occasion of this psalm, of this prayer, of this cry for deliverance is not just some general circumstances in life. It's not just a bad harvest. It's not just a storm that has come through and knocked down things or, or, or whatever it may be. These are individuals. It is wicked men who have risen up against him personally. Out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel men, deliver me from those who would do me harm. So you come to verse 5 then. The psalmist goes back, and now, now he's, he's, we've seen the occasion for this psalm, why he is crying out. Now he kind of goes back in his mind, and he unfolds for us the reason for his hope. Why is it that he has hope? Why is it that he starts by exclaiming who this God is and what he can do? That's what we see here in verse 5. Deliver me, O oh my God, verse 4, verse 5. Why? For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my hope. goes back to verse 1. It's in you that I've put my trust. I've put everything in you. You are my hope. You are my trust from my youth. Right? I've trusted you since I was young. This goes back to that song we just sang. Oh God, our help in ages past. Not just in the ages past in the Old Testament and the New Testament as we see, but even in ages past during my life. As I look back at my life, I've seen 
that you are the God who is faithful, who has helped me. So he's saying here, even in my old age, as I look back to my youth, you have been the God in whom I have trusted. And in trusting in you, it's you, by you, I have been upheld from my birth. I have trusted in you, and you have upheld me. You have been faithful since my birth. In fact, notice even that God's faithfulness to the psalmist predates the psalmist's faith. I've trusted in you since my youth, and you've been faithful since my birth. Your faithfulness predates my faith. You've upheld me. You've delivered me. You've been faithful all these years. In fact, it is you who took me out of my mother's womb from my first breath. You've been faithful. And so my praise shall be continually of you. In fact, that's a theme that you'll see throughout this psalm, that the psalmist kind of lists who God is and what, he is and what he's done, and then he always responds with, I will praise you. This is who you are. This is what you've done. I will praise you. This is who you are and what you've done. I will praise you. My praise shall be continually of you. This is David's response to who God is and what God has done. You have been faithful since my youth, as I have trusted in you. You've been faithful from my birth. And so I will praise you continually. Again, I think there's a a principle here for us as well. Note that David does not here praise the Lord as kind of a bribe. I, I will praise you so that I can get what I want from you. Rather, his praise of God is a response to what God has done. And that's applicable to us as well. We don't worship because we hope to get something from God. Our worship is not a bribe. We don't sing songs on Sunday morning hoping that God will then bless the next week because of how well we sing. Worship is not a bribe. We worship because we recognize and respond to who God is. He goes on, I have become a wonder to many. Many look at me and marvel at all that I've gone through. There could be many things that they marvel at here. They could be marveling at how how, how difficult a situation is. They could be marveling at all those who have risen against him. They could be marveling at how he has stayed faithful in his faith despite all of this. I've become a wonder to many. Whatever the cause of this wonder, it has caught the attention of many. And notice David, or the psalmist's response in this. Many eyes have been turned to me, right? I've become a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Many look to me and marvel at all that I've gone through. But it's not in my strength. It is you who are my rock and my salvation. And may their wonder of me turn into worship of you. As they wonder at me, may they see my faithful God behind me. Again, he goes back to let my mouth be filled with your praise, with your glory all day. 
verse 3, that I may resort to you continually, that I may continually go back to you here. I will praise you all day. As long as you are faithful, I will praise you because that is who you are and you will always be faithful. This is never-ending praise for a never-failing God. I will never cease to praise you. All day long, I will sing of your glory. So what's the problem here? What's the problem, right? David's listed all these great things about God. And he says, yeah, there's these enemies, but, but his God seems so big. All these great things he said about God, his God seems so big. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is not in David's God, it's in David's heart. And we see that here in verse 9. This is David's fear. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. This is that doubt that has crept into the psalmist's heart. Right? It, it, it's somewhat easier to trust when you're younger and you're, you, you're strong. And, and yeah, I'm trusting God, but you know, if, if that fails, I've got my own strength. I can fend for myself. The psalmist finds a place where there is nothing else to trust in. His entire trust is in God. He has nothing else to fall back on. And so this fear has crept into his heart. And the problem is not that his God is weak. We've seen in these first seven verses how big and powerful his God is. The problem is in his own heart. It's his fear. Don't forsake me when my strength fails. Don't cast me off in time of old age. It kind of harkens back to what he said in verse 1 when he first started off. I'm, I'm trusting in you, Lord, but don't let me be put to shame. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. My enemies speak against me, and those who lie and wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there's none to deliver him. This is how it looks to them. And, and as David hears them crying this out, maybe it's starting to sink into his heart and, and his mind. Maybe God has forsaken me. I, I know he made these promises, but now I'm, now, now I'm old. What good am I to God now? Maybe he's moved on to someone younger. Maybe God has forsaken me. Maybe he has moved on. It starts to sink in and take a hold of David's heart. But then his mind goes back to his God. Oh God, do not be far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Be near to me. Be near to me. Be not far from me. There's comfort and closeness, is there not? I used to in college, working for my dad, I would clean buildings. In some buildings, you'd be in, you know, by yourself late at night. I was reminded of this just uh, last week when I was in Greenville. I helped my dad clean a couple buildings. and It doesn't matter how big the building is. If there's someone else in there with you, you're fine. As long as you know they're in the building somewhere. But, but when you're all alone in that building, and it's dark outside, and it's quiet, you hear every little sound. It can get kind of scary. 
Just having someone with you, having someone close, even if they're no stronger than you are, just having someone else there that you know you can outrun is helpful. It's encouraging. It's the same thing we see in children. In the dark and quietness of the night, children often will climb in bed. They want to feel that, that, that warmth, that comfort, that my mom, my dad is here. They are close to me. They're not far from me. They're here to help me if I need them. That is what the psalmist is crying out for. God, do not be far from me. Let me know that you are here. Let me feel you. Let me know that as I cry out to you, you will hear and you will respond. It goes back again to verse 2. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be near to me and hear me. Let them be confounded and consumed. These, these people who cry out, God has forsaken you. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor. Right? In verse 1 he says, don't let me be put to shame. And now he's saying, God, let, let them be put to shame. Because my hope is in you. Let them who are not trusting in you be put to shame. Because I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Here he returns to the idea of praise. I will hope in you and I will praise you more and more as my reasons to praise grow, my volume of my praise will grow. And in age, as I look back and I see all these things that you have done, I have many reasons to praise you. I will hope continually. I will keep praising. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness. The righteousness that delivered me back in verse 2 and your salvation all the day. Verse 8, my mouth will be filled with your praise. Here in verse 15, my mouth will tell of your righteousness and salvation. I will speak of who you are and what you've done. And I love this, this last line in verse 15, for I do not know their limits. And all these years of living that I have done to this point, as the psalmist is, is clearly in old age, he is weak and he is tired, and in all those years, he has not come close to the limits of the righteousness and salvation and greatness of God. I do not know their limits, so I will have limitless praise for God's limitless righteousness and salvation. And I will go in the strength of the Lord God. This is an old and weak man who will go in the strength of the Lord God. Not just strength for this moment, but strength for the future. I will go forward. I will go on. Not only will I go in the strength of the Lord God, I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. Tell God, you have taught me from my youth. Again, return to the idea from verse 5. I have trusted you from my, root, from my youth, and you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, from my youth to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed,
Again, note here how often David responds with audible praise. God's people need to praise him audibly. We need to speak of the greatness of our God. When we get together and we have a testimony time, there is no such thing as a small praise. Tell what your God has done. Even if it's just giving you groceries for another week. Regardless of what it is, tell what your God has done. People need to hear. Again, he returns to his fear from verse 9. Oh God, do not forsake me. Yet even as he returns to that fear, you see that fear surrounded by the greatness of God. It's almost as if his fear is kind of shrinking away the more he reflects on who God is. Do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. I I may not be able to go out and fight in battle. There's many things that I cannot do in my old age, but what I can do, what I can find purpose in here doing, that's true. What I can find purpose in here doing, even my old age, when I can't go out to battle, when I can't stand up and do all these great things for God, what I can do is I can declare your strength to this generation. I I can declare your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. Here he's kind of, he's moved now to just this explosion of praise. You who have done great things, oh God, who is like you. Obviously the answer is no one. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Total comfort. So he's crying out for earlier. He said, God, be not far from me. I want to to feel you near me, to know that you are there. And here he says, you shall increase my greatness and you will comfort me on every side. Also with the lute, I will praise you. Again, his response to who this God is and your faithfulness, O my God. To you, I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. Again, audibly speaking, telling, proclaiming. Why? Because he has been delivered. Because his God is faithful and they are confounded. Just as he prayed they would be. They are confounded. They are brought to shame. I am not put to shame. They are put to shame. Those who seek my hurt. As you come to Psalm 71, you see a man who in old age looks back on his life, finds himself once again in trouble. But as he reflects on the greatness of his God, his God becomes so big and so powerful that his problems just shrink away. His God is that big. His God is that great. 
That's the result of this psalm, is it not? As you look at this, you don't think of how much trouble the psalmist is in. You think of, man, his God is awesome. Look how great his God is. Look how big his God is. I can almost imagine the psalmist getting done writing this and looking back over it and, and almost feeling shame for, for even ever doubting. Look how big my God is. He is my comfort. What do I have to fear? As you work your way through the psalm, these are the, the, the psalmist finds comfort in the character of God, and this is what he lists. He returns multiple times to God's righteousness, his strength. God is his defender. God is faithful. He is glorious. He is his savior. He is his comforter. He is holy, and he is redeemer. He returns over and over again to these themes. This is who you are. And as he returns to who God is time and time again, he responds in audible praise. So as you come to the end of the psalm, what does this mean for us? So we find ourselves here in Psalm 71 in the middle of a week, the beginning of August. What does it mean for us? I think there's two groups that this psalm speaks to. And I'll let you choose which side you're on. There's the elderly and the young. That's up to you. You make a decision. To the elderly, those who are old, be encouraged and be reminded that the God of your youth is the same faithful God in your age. He has not abandoned you and he will not abandon you. He has not changed. Though your circumstances has changed, though your perspective on life has changed, your God has not changed. He is faithful. Remember what he has done. And don't just remember, but let that remembrance overflow and proclamation of his goodness, faithfulness, strength, and righteousness to a new generation. Young people need to hear you proclaim what your God has done and who he is. Speak boldly and speak often of who your God is and what he's done. Young people, the application for you would be to listen. Learn. Seek out those who are elderly. Those who have walked with God with, through many ages, many years. Seek them out and sit down and say, tell me about your God. What has he done? I want to learn. I want to listen. I want to grow. Listen, learn, trust, and proclaim. God's been at work in your life too, regardless of how old you are. There's no age limit on testifying of God's greatness. Those who are older have an advantage because they have more to testify about what God has done. But we all have something. So listen, learn. Find comfort in those who have found God to be faithful. And proclaim what God has done. That even informs 
even now as we transition to a time of taking prayer requests and then splitting up and praying, that, that the psalm even informs how we pray, does it not? As we bring our requests to God, this psalm has told us who our God is. And as we bring requests of those who are sick, those who are hurting, situations, requests for safety, whatever it may be, as we bring these requests, there's a history. There's stories to be told about what God has done. There's hope. And whatever our request may be because of who God is and who we found him to be. So with that being said, 